Hello world, welcome to the High Paying Bastards. We are your hosts, Ian and Ari. Here, we will discuss anything related to video game culture, so please, take a seat and join us. First thing we got on the agenda, we got some WB shenanigans with some live service games. So I know I sent this over to you. The CEO on a quarter three earnings call for WB, we're talking about they wanted to transform their biggest franchises within the next three or four year release schedule to include more games as a service, which I don't know about you, Ari, but I think games as a service suck. That's one way to put it, right? I mean, I think we were looking at a lot of the live services that happen in the over the year. You know, you've got your Avengers and stuff all kind of failing to generate any kind of audience. And I guess Warner Brothers is so adamant about sticking with that failed strategy again. But here we're all say on that end, Ian, right? You sent me the code that David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Brothers, sent. And it just sounds like a huge nothing but a corporate jargons. Yeah, it, it does. It sounds like corporate speak is what it is. I mean, We've seen games as a service fail. One of the biggest reasons is a lot of the games as a service are they're already established, right? So you got things like Apex Legends, you got your Call of Duty franchise, stuff like that. You you've got to pull that audience to come to your game and play your game. Well, most of the time it's not worth it. And to be really honest, on the same subject, I'm more worried about it's the Warner Brothers who are doing it. Now, I don't know if you've heard about all the news from the movie industry side, like Warner Brothers had this kind of a ill reputation right now that they would take up a movie, they would kind of finish up the movie completely post-production sometimes, and then they would completely can it down and not even release it because they think it's cheaper to not pay licenses on those movies and save on taxes. So movie uh, Bad Girl that was supposed to come out and then it got completely canned because they could save money on taxes. They did the same thing with the upcoming movie called Wile E. Coyote versus Acme that was completely put inside a bin so that they would not have to owe money on taxes. Also, they already have pretty much ill reputation and they're coming out with this life service kind of stuff. It'll be kind of interesting to see where it goes. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I did hear about the Batgirl thing and I did not hear about the Wile E. Coyote. That movie, I've heard from the news, that movie is actually really good. That movie will be fun to kind of watch. And that's the reason he's getting backlash from it is because that actually a good movie that he decided to, or his team decided to kind of can it rather than releasing it because they could save like $30 million on taxes or something. Yeah, that's that's just crazy though. But I mean, we, we've seen them shut down these servers, especially for like Avengers. We, we've seen them shut that down just because they're not making money off of it. So uh, what was it? There was a side bullet or something like that that just released on PlayStation. Uh, it's a battle royale side scroller type, um, free to play, you know, live service, uh, DLC crap. They already shut the servers down and the game hasn't even been out like for a month. I'm pretty sure it's called like side bullet. I did play their, uh, I did play their multiverses. Do you remember that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did play it during their beta version. So they have turned that game completely off and they're planning on relaunching it in 2024. Now, that game was not too bad. It was like a Super Smash Brother, but with like Warner Brother characters like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Shaggy, Shag- Finn from Adventure Time and stuff yeah. like that. It was an okay game, pretty enjoyed it. My biggest complaint during that play is that if I get pretty good at Shaggy this week, they will turn access to Shaggy off unless I paid it in the next week and I cannot progress with Shaggy. 
So that's like one of the problems that was happening when I was playing that game. So when this game relaunches, if they keep the same kind of live service uh, features to it, which I'm sure they will. I mean, I'm sure they will according to what they want to do, you know? Um, Sorry to cut you off, but like, it's just, it's, I feel like the games as a service is does such a disservice to the, the gamers themselves. The corporate just sees money. That's all they want to see is just money, 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 money. And sure, you got shareholders that you got to appease, stock options, all that crap. They're going to make their money hand over fist for sure. Yeah, to be fair to them too, though, right? If your live service does become quite popular and is a hit, it brings in a huge amount of money. It yeah, like astronomical amount of money and it brings in regular amount of money too. Like you look at yeah. your Fortnite and stuff like that. That that but that's like you're basically rolling a Russian roulette. You you don't know if you're gonna have like a really good game in your hand as a live service. It, it feels like it's such a weird kind of gamble to take on. Yeah. Like you said, it's a it's a gamble. You know, whether or not it'll pan out for him, we'll see. This guy makes like a huge ton of money already from axing all of those T V shows and uh, movies and stuff like that he gets bonus probably from saving money for warner brothers or something i'm sure i'm sure he <laughs> bonus next year or whatever yeah david's awesome he's the he's an ordinary man like all of us you know yeah <laughs> ordinary businessman ordinary uh, businessman so i guess let's jump off of that speaking of gambling though we got some parents that are suing some video game companies over game advice what do you think about that I'll say this. Sometimes a lot of these lawsuits, there are multiple sides to this kind of story. And it's pretty easy for us to take a side and say, oh man, these are again parents being angry about video games again. It's easy to say that, but if we've played mobile games, those things, they, they there is quite something about it. It's like the way they kind of program your dopamine and serotonin to kind of be released every time they do like, you know, the Candy Crush sweet sound comes up. I'll say this. If this lawsuit goes through, I want at least there to be some discovery about it. You know, people actually try to do a study whether this video game addiction is actually real or not, if it's a real problematic or not. That's something to look into. But I understand it's kind of like blaming video games for violence kind of thing. But they're blaming video games for addiction. That's a a little bit different, right? Yeah, I'm thinking you're hitting the nail right on the head, man. Like. They, we're not talking about just like you said GTA or something like that. We're literally talking about the Candy Crush, where you got microtransactions, you got loot boxes. You know, it's already been loot boxes have been largely banned over in the EU because they don't want to disclose your your percentage of winning. Um, exactly. That's basically kind of doing like one of those like a Vegas slot machine, right? You're even in Vegas, at least you have your odds being settled by Vegas gambling commissions and stuff like that. You don't have that on loot boxes. It is the Wild West right now with this, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, and like you said, they're making it look almost literally like video game casinos and stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of people are dismissing this lawsuit because they think it's largely just like you said before, like the GTA violence thing, you know what I mean? And even the article that we talk about here from Tech Dirty, it's easier than parenting. They're not, I don't, I read, I skimmed through the article. I'm not going to say I read the whole thing, but I skimmed through it. And it seems like they're largely talking about getting hooked. Kids get their parents to buy them V-Bucks and all that And then using that crap to gamble for skins uh, on a game that, you know, that they might not play again. 
You know what I mean? Exactly. So this video game addiction is not a problem until your niece spends all of her weekly allowances on a bunch of Roblox. And then you start to wonder why do you have such a high credit card debt because she's been sneaking off and trying to buy Roblox. Yep. That's yep. when it's a problem. Because so like this kids, it's so easy. You just press a button and then you purchase some stupid skin, like you said. And it's a real concern. Blaming video game for violence is not the same as blaming video game for addiction. Yeah, I think we all know too that like gambling addiction, it can be a very serious thing. I mean, people go into debt, they lose literally everything, you know what I mean? And to think that like you could wind up in a situation where you fucking lose everything you have because your kid spent all their money on Robux blocks or fucking loot boxes on apex legends you know what i mean like the the exactly. thought of that is just absurd but it's it is yeah. true it can happen and i would drop my kid off to some child services if they did that <laughs> <laughs> like imagine you lose your mortgage like you can't even like you know your credit score is so little you can't apply for a business loan because your kid just absolutely all the roblox <laughs> exactly bought all the like there's no like you know Real world compared, like, how do you take it to like a goldsmith or pawn shop to get it back? Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, hopefully, I think there is some, um, you know, scientific evidence stuff that they've looked into the video game addiction and the gambling and stuff like that, especially because it's been banned in the EU, but they definitely need to crack down on it a little bit more stateside as well, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, listen, we all love video game, but we don't want it to destroy people's lives. You know, that should be a little bit more understood or researched. And I think this lawsuit or something like this can at least like provide some discovery on how these games are being designed and how they're being, you know, advertised to children. Yeah. And then even if our knee-jerk reaction is to kind of be like, your parents are being a little bit kind of selfish on this end, but we have to kind of let this lawsuit, like at least hopefully it gets a chance to have some discovery or something like that to go through and see where we are at because we don't really have a lot of studies we only have anecdotes on this kind of video game addiction so like it'd be pretty good thing in my opinion yeah it's still relatively new but something that can definitely open people's eyes up and see what's actually going on with this crap wouldn't be a bad thing at all i don't think um all right so i think we're actually wrapping up on the uh parent suing thing um but moving on to another interesting thing, GTA 6 publisher su- suggests games should be paid for per hour played. Now, this was the original um, statement that he had made, basically saying that, you know, video games should be paid per hour. He then, since, I believe, in my opinion, from the backlash that he got from this statement, walked it back and kind of... Uh, re- thought about what he was saying and kind of reset it basically saying that the price per entertainment that you get with video games is the the best out there which is undeniably true i mean price per entertainment video games the the value is way above in my opinion any other forms of entertainment that's out there yeah i thought like his statements are pretty reasonable because The weird thing about this kind of subscription or per hour played kind of thing, when I was looking back at the code, it sounded like that was the question that was asked to him by the Goldman Sachs investment analyst during the earnings call was saying, have you guys thought about doing some subscription-based kind of, you know, player, those kind of stuff? And then I think, uh, you know, Zelnick, who's the uh, CEO for Take-Two, the publisher, yeah, yeah, 
I think he came out and gave a pretty reasonable answer saying one of the things he said is, listen, like, you know, per our basis, yeah, video games offer so much more. You go watch a Barbie movie for like two or three hours and you pay like $15, $5 per hour deal. While if you buy a GTA 6, play for like 60 to 70 hours, you pay 60 to $70. That's like $1 per hour of entertainment. And I think one of the things he said pretty interestingly was also that, listen, it's not like the industry themselves have the power to set the price. Now, I don't know how true that is all the time, but it's basically saying there are the market, the video game market is quite saturated depending upon how many developers there are and how many independent to big studios there are. Like if they try to put a certain kind of pricing power because they have the biggest game or something like that, it's not going to be as useful or it's not going to work out the way they might want to. Yeah, I mean, when you start talking about the whole um, price played per hour, um, I feel like it's a slippery slope, right? It is. Um, It's not that long ago we were talking about horse armor with Oblivion and look at where we're at (laughs) with DLC and stuff, right? But I think it's a bad business model if we go down that road. Um, I think already with DLC, microtransactions and stuff that we're facing right now with video games is a detriment to our entertainment as is. When you start talking about this price per hour, I mean, we're talking about what you're going to clock in when you start playing GTA 6. And then after, you know, you play for three or four hours, you got to got to, you know, pony up 30 bucks to your credit card every time, every three, four hours, 10 bucks an hour or something like that. You know what I mean? It's I feel like it's just a slippery slope to start talking about this. To be fair to this guy, though, whenever these investment analysts like these people, like investment analysts, private equity analysts, investment bankers, usually these are like people who know just enough about an industry that they can ask a question, but they don't know if they're asking like a good question or a bad no, question or the right question they're just exactly. trying to invoke and a conversation or something exactly so that they sound a little bit smarter it's like that complex where like your confidence in a subject goes up as you gain more knowledge and then it peaks early on and then later when you gain more knowledge it drops down because you realize how little you really know about that subject yeah these people are that peak of complex they don't understand how people feel about pricing in video games and what their actual opinion is they just look at revenue numbers and profit and stuff kind of coming out so they ask questions based upon that justin did not bring up that subject it's that investment analyst did during the quarter three earning and i think he put him down a little bit gently about what kind of stupid question he was asking well yeah and i i think that's where once the little bit of backlash kind of came out with what he initially said and then he kind of changed his stance a little bit and was talking yeah. more about that you know video games has a good value per entertainment that yeah. is a better question to ask um and a better way in my opinion to move forward you know yeah. uh, video games should always have a good entertainment per value yeah and on that end i'll say this quality is not the same as quantity what if your game is 70 dollars worth but it's so boring that you never even finish the game for like you know more than two or three hours now suddenly don't you think like you only should pay for those two or three hours that you played yeah yeah exactly and i mean the the other thing is like what if you have such a large game where it takes you a ton of time and then you're spending $200 to f***ing play a video game 
Yeah. Like, I mean, now I say that, and of course, you know, people spend that crap all the time on mobile gaming and like that, you know, but I feel like the average person is not going to want to do that and they shouldn't have to. I'm trying to think of like how many hours I put on F1 2020. It's like about a thousand hours. I would have to a thousand dollars for that game. I should have just bought a car. Dude, yeah. I mean, like, uh, back in the day when uh, Barwin Elder Scrolls 3 came out, right? Um, yeah. Came out on the OG Xbox. I played that game so f***ing much, Ari. I can't even f***ing tell you, dude. I literally, I believe my save files said that it, it changed from time to one year played on one of my <laughs> save files. So, I mean, you, you look at that and you think of like how much that would cost if they were to do some sort of price per entertainment value like that who knows how much you could i you know i'd be charged for that dude but i hey i'll tell you this i enjoyed every minute that i played that absolutely i mean when when we get into a game that has a good quality man we'll end up kind of like spending almost a lifetime kind of worth of our time in it when we were at least when we were young and even now a little bit today but yeah if you start charging us by the hour of our favorite games man i can't imagine i would have money to buy a console yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm th- you're. It's already hard enough to live with it, the way inflation is and everything like that. So it's like, and they already raised. And I know that this doesn't really pertain to you as much because you don't you play mostly on PC. But uh, PlayStation just upped their uh, subscription, so it's no longer just. I think it was used to be like sixty bucks a year or something like that. It's now like eighty a year or or higher. I can't even remember. You know, but it just everything is going up. So it's like, yeah, I'm trying to save as much money as I can. So it's like I'm going to have to pick and choose. Moving on. Why did we do the uh, Ubisoft stuff first? And then I'll go towards the other news. The Ubisoft stuff. What was the Ubisoft stuff? So I remember you mentioned like, you know, there was a small glitch in the Ubisoft uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey pretty recently. And I think there are a couple of videos up of people posting what it looked like. Basically, while in the middle of a gameplay, you have an ad that comes out interrupting the overall gameplay. Yeah, I think that videos were showing um, them pausing the screen to look at their map yeah. and an ad banner popped up and for Mirage. And I believe they were playing Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is what they were playing. Yeah, uh, this is weird. Like, I thought it was an ad banner, but it was actually almost a full screen kind of like, yeah. you know block right yeah yeah yeah. it was literally the whole screen and i mean we've seen something similar to that with uh xbox on the home screen with call of duty uh as soon as you boot it up there's a huge call of duty modern warfare 3 banner that pops up and you have to exit out of it in order to continue complete well to be fair to the ubisoft side per their account it was a technical error because i remember ubisoft at least in assassin's creed when you try to play the game on the uh, title menu screen, they do have ads on that one. And they're saying some, like, you know, code bugging or something like that caused that ad to pop up inside the gameplay itself. But, like, you could say that, but, yeah, you could also be a test case to see what kind of reaction you're causing out of, like, an advertisement. Exactly. It starts off, oh, we're so sorry. We didn't mean to have that ad pop up in the middle of your gameplay. You know, I feel like it's, again, it's a slippery slope, man. It starts off with this, and then now you're getting ads every 10 minutes when you're playing a video game, dude. At that point, you know, what do you do? You just stop playing video games. Yeah, this could be the uh, uh, horse armor advertisement. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
I mean, and a Trojan horse armor too. The the thing too, I feel like with this Ubisoft thing is they waited until the backlash came out before they responded. Right? I feel like someone would have known. Oh, we accidentally popped an ad up in the middle of gameplay. You know what I mean? I feel like with as many people that they have underneath their belt, that someone would have caught that beforehand. Yeah, but we'll see. You know, we live long enough lives to see our favorite things get, you know, demolished, completely up So we'll see about this, right, Ian? We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'll live long enough to see what they turn this into. And then I'll remember, it's just like you remember that horse armor from Morrowind. I'll remember this. Yeah. And I have, yeah. I have a recording of this too now. Yeah. Remember. Right. With that being said, let's move on to a couple of news that I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, so recently, the LA Times released a kind of a overlook on the video game industry, especially the layoffs that are happening all across, you know, multiple studios. Now they're like, you know, from Electronic Arts to Ubisoft to a lot of other companies like Embracer Group and et cetera. They're laying off quite a bit of developers right before the holiday season starts. You know, when the whole pandemic happened and more people were playing video games, I thought them gaining more opportunity to kind of sell their product and they were able to do it. But now suddenly people are losing their interest and et cetera. So they might be starting to lose their developers because they don't need as much. I, I don't even think, honestly, though, it's it's a matter of people losing their interest, man. I think it's everything just costs so much. Just, we're just, we don't have the free time that we used to have anymore. You know what I mean? Like you said, the pandemic hit a lot of people kind of got laid off a lot of people told to stay at home so what do you do you know you boot up your console you start playing some video games well what does that do you know that just shows that a lot of people are buying video games and what does it do it incentivizes them to go and hire a bunch of people and inflate themselves way bigger than they would they should be and then when things start to slow down you see this kind of thing where people get laid off and stuff like that it is super unfortunate that it's happening around this time uh, I feel like the, the studios would have known and seen it coming. Yeah, but look at who are the people losing the highest amount of developers and laying them off, right? You got Electronic Arts losing about 775 developers. You got Epic Games losing about 830 developers. And you have the Embracer Group that just laid off. Uh, let me check. Uh, yeah, but about 900 developers. Now, Embracer Group is a little bit interesting one because they're basically the... Uh, people who are going around and buying some major IPs like yep. uh, Crystal Dynamics. So they were buying Dosex, they were buying Tomb Raider, they are buying Thief as well. Yep. Now they were going around shopping for these big IPs and now suddenly they're laying off 900 people. It's like them going out to buy a Ferrari while they can't even pay the electric bill or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they bought up all those IPs and now unfortunately those IPs are going to sit too. Exactly. So we're going to, I mean, we're not going to be able to see any Dosex anyway. We're not seeing any Thief. But like Tomb Raider, you'd assume like, you know, you'd see more. Yeah, 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 for real. I mean, it, the three that you listed, they're, those are really good IPs. I mean, the, the last Thief wasn't that great. But the second one, I remember being on PC, was really good. Uh, Tomb Raider, you know, they, they're doing a remaster release, I believe. Uh, coming up sometime soon. So that's uh, Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3, I believe, that are going to be remastered here coming out. Uh, I don't know when, uh, but uh, Deus Ex there, however the hell you want to pronounce it, 
I mean, that's a, another good one too. They had one that was on the Xbox that was really good. And of course, the one, the original for the PC was decent too. I mean, honestly, Embracer, in my opinion, kind of came out of nowhere and just started grabbing. Yeah, look at this. Uh, as of September 2023, Embracer Group has 129 internal game development studios and is engaging more than 15,000 employees and contracted employees in more than 40 countries. Some of these include THQ Nordic, Deca Games, Play On, Saber Interactive. Just like some of these studios are massive ones too. It's like yeah, huge. I mean, it's it's crazy, and it's like where the f- did they get the money to buy that shit too? Uh, it's usually either like some Middle Eastern countries trying to put up a lot of money in that kind of portfolio, so you just go around buying as much as you can. That's usually what happens. Is a lot of startup is like, oh, they suddenly have like a huge influx of like some Middle Eastern countries, like sovereign funds, put a huge amount of money into like say SoftBank and they start go buying Uber. But uh, maybe what happened was that maybe there's some deal they might had might have failed at the last moment and now they have to lay off a lot of people too. Yeah, I mean, I thought the money was coming in, but maybe it didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's highly possible, but I I think it's definitely just a trend with the tech industry in general, with just the pandemic slowing down, people going back yeah. to work. Yeah, that's a good observation, man. I think you're right. A lot of companies that made a lot of money during the pa- pandemic, like you have your Zoom, you got your Peloton, all those companies were making a lot of money. And after pandemic was over, it was like their stock kind of came tumbling down as well. Yeah. And they were in a lot of trouble. But yeah, those are that's like the uh, weird kind of news. But I'd say that covers up all the news I want to talk about. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I mean, that's good with me, man. I mean, that's uh, that's definitely a good good chunk of stuff that happened in the past, you know, couple weeks. So we'll see what happens going forward. Sounds good. All right, moving on to the next segment. So, Ari, I've... uh kind of went back in time a little bit and i started getting back into uh dragon's dogma dark arisen i know i told you to uh pick it up and play it give me some thoughts on it what'd you think it was overall a really good game it was nice to peel back into the time and see that era of when rpg games were being formed in a more basic kind of structure like the modern rpg we're playing today Mm. and it was kind of nice to see some of what would be considered like a novel and new ideas, but we're seeing that in many gameplays today. So it would say overall a very good experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, I absolutely adore this game. Every once in a while, I always love to go back and play it. Um, one of the reasons I told you to is, of, of course, we got uh, Dragon Dogma 2 coming out next year. I believe there was a leaked release date of uh, March 22nd, somewhere around there. But this one... Uh, of course, it's not just Dragon's Dogma, it's Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen, which is the DLC that it came with, which goes to Bitter Black Isle. Did you ever get a chance to get to Bitter Black Isle? Uh, I actually went ahead and explored the Bitter Black, Bitter Black Isle a little bit, but my level was not ready to do so, right? So, What level like, were you? I, I was around level 14 or 15. Jesus Christ, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, like, I got pretty much hammered immediately after I got it. I was able to kill a couple of goblins and stuff, but it was not worth for me to stick around. I doubled back. We'll talk about it later on. I have, like, one kind of a complaint about this game. Yeah, yeah. And Bitterback Isle is, like, one of the things that highlighted that particular problem. But before kind of going into it, and this game has been about 
well, how long has it been? Eight years now? Yeah, something. I don't even know exactly. I'd have to look it up uh, when it released. Um, it, I know it came out on the original uh, Xbox 360 and PS3 is when it first came out. Um, I don't remember when uh, Bitter Black Isle came out for it. Yeah. So just wanted to kind of say like, you know, a lot of people might not have this game in their refreshed memory yet, but overall Dragon's Dogma, Dark Heroes, and, you know, according to this is the uh, 2012, <laughs> by the way, 2012. Yeah. 20 of death, almost 10 years, already 12 years now. Yeah. So it came out during the Skyrim, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'm around there. Yeah. So I'm going to read a quick summary from the chat GPT of what it thinks Dragon's Dogma Dark Reason is. And I think it's got it pretty much. So it says, it's a role-playing game that follows the story of Arisen, a person whose heart has been stolen by a dragon and who must defeat that dragon. The game starts with Arisen's village in Casardis being attacked by a massive dragon. After confronting the dragon, the dragon known as Grigori rips the heart from Arisen and devours it. However, instead of killing the Arisen, this cursed the Arisen with supernatural abilities and tasked them to seek out and kill Grigori. That's the overall kind of story, and it starts with how you would assume a lot of modern-day RPG starts with your unnamed protagonist being pulled out of their ordinary life, now have to go and completely be part of everything that's going to happen in that world. Very, like, you know, traditional RPG that we see being reflected in other newer RPGs like Starfield itself. So it's kind of, like, weird to see that same reflection. And made me kind of question that we have not progressed a lot from that storyline. But when I was playing it, it didn't feel anything of a problematic on mine from the story perspective. It was a good refresher to me. It was entertaining to get into the world. And I think this game does a really good job of pulling you into the story in the first few moments. You start underneath the cave, you fight a chimera, and then you start near the village after you create a character, and then you start the main boss, Grigori, which was a really good way to kind of get us into the story and everything else. So I really like that part about this game. Yeah, it definitely draws you in within the first five to ten minutes. I mean, and seeing that Chimera, that first real-world boss, it, it sets... And you think about the games that came, that were out around that time as well. Like, it really stood out on its own. It's a, it's a real shame that this game flew under the radar, in my opinion. Um, I'm glad more people have been seeing it and been picking it up because it is just... it's It feels so good to play, even now, in 2023... The controls, it's fairly easy to get used to. It's very well-polished game. Um, it just feels really good. Climbing the backs of, of the monsters and stuff, because you can <laughs> climb them, you know, something you can do in Dark Souls, uh, the magic and stuff. Now, of course, like the graphics are a little bit dated, but they're not too bad. And some of the graphics, in my opinion, are even better, especially, I don't know if you saw this much, but when you catch, like, uh, for instance, the... Uh, ogres on fire or just like the chimeras on fire where you catch something on fire like it actually lights pieces of them on fire and in my opinion i think it just looks well done especially for the time that it came out at i did not notice that but i do like their motion graphics the goblins or hobgoblins catching on fire it's i think one of the funniest thing i've ever seen to be really honest but yeah no overall the graphics it you get used to it but you do play a lot you really kind of like forget that this is about you know 12 year old game and it's it's not really a big hurdle to kind of get used to as well. But like one of the things is like, you know, you'll notice it on the facial animation and stuff like that. Of course, yeah, not going to have a top notch or anything. But yeah, 
usually because the rest of the graphics are a little bit older that having a lack of facial animation doesn't really pull you out. Unlike, you know, you're watching a modern RPG where suddenly the facial animation kind of distracts you a little bit. Yeah. That kind of thing doesn't happen. Like graphics, it integrates with the story and gameplay pretty good so you don't have to worry about it pulling you out or or the story itself. Yeah. The the one thing I will say with this game is uh, definitely the beginning is probably one of the hardest parts until you start getting the port crystals. I know you were having a little bit of issue with that too, kind of getting around. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, like, I've started to do this one mission where you go and talk to the captain of the hunt and then he starts sending you around the world and every one of these missions has a port crystal somewhere. So I'm gathering them a little bit. Yeah, before that one, you could only travel to the Grand Soran area, one of the major cities and Kassard is your hometown. Those were the only a few areas that you could fast travel to basically. And yeah, there are, there are no mounts in this game. So you have to run through it while your stamina is being drained. Uh, and you run into these annoying wolves and goblins all the time, which slows down your gameplay a little bit whenever you're just trying to get to the place immediately. Yeah, there's it's definitely a trek. But so the trick is, right? So in like Cassardis uh, or whatever, your starting hometown, um, yeah. you can actually go into the well. And um, if you go through the well, it'll put you on the other side of the encampment. So there's little shortcuts like that that are in this game that you have to kind of figure out or look it up online on the wiki or something like that um and another one uh grand soren to the shadow fort there you pass through the quarry once you clear the quarry out and it it cuts down the time tremendously ah wait (laughs) yeah yeah there's shortcuts so there's there's shortcuts in the game that you can take and then the other thing too is you get the uh port crystals that you can put down so what I do is I strategically put them down, right? I put one down at the uh, Grand Wall Encampment in the Barter Crags. I put one up there because there's, you ha- usually have a couple of uh, escort quests. So what you do is you put the port crystal down where the escort quest finishes. And then you can just teleport there instantly with your escort. And you get them there safely. And the, the quest is over in a snap. And it's super easy. So you get like six of them. And so I just strategically put them in places on the map. So then I can just warp to wherever I need to go to. Shortcuts? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, like... I mean, think the game doesn't tell you that. This game yeah. cannot handhold you for sure. Like, you have yeah. to pay attention to shit. <laughs> yeah, but like I went through that well. I did the mission, killed a couple of those lizards with the sticks. Mm-hmm. And then I went through it and I got out to the other side of the encampment. But I still yep. did not register that as a shortcut. Yeah. Because like I went through, uh, oh man, okay, that, that kind of helps a little bit. But yeah. I already have a couple of these port crystals now. And I'm putting them strategically too. I'm putting them in the northernmost part or the southernmost part or in the middle yeah. to kind of like travel a little bit. But yeah. So the, that's what I usually do is I put them in places that you go to a lot. So uh, Bloodwater Beach, I believe, is one. Uh, you have a couple of escort quests that go there a lot. Shadow Fort um, is a, is another one that I put one down because you have escort quests that go there. Plus, there's a drake that spawns nearby that you can farm every seven days or something. So it makes it quick to get to him. Barda Crags is another one because that's also where you get some of the best endgame armor before you give the gold idol to the shopkeep and Grand Soren. Um, and then Hill Figure Knoll, I usually pop one around there. And then Blue Moon Tower, I usually put one there. Then also those port crystals. So when you beat the game and you go into New Game Plus, those port crystals stay exactly where they are and you get more port crystals. 
from the same kind of missions and you can just put them wherever. Yep, yep, yep. So it, it makes it a little bit easier on subsequent playthroughs. No, I mean, you're right. This game has a lot to offer if you're willing to discover through it. If you're trying to brute force play through it, it can be a little bit impatient. But Yeah, you will have a bad time. Exactly. What do you think about the like the gameplay mechanics, like you know the fighting and stuff? The I I mean I enjoy it. I like it a lot. It's kind of um, it's Dark Souls slash like Devil May Cry. You could kind of akin it to that. It's a action RPG. So and there's a lot of stamina management, and the classes are are fun to play. I mean I I have, enjoy playing every class. This last playthrough I was doing Magic Archer. Uh, and just oh yeah, decimating everything with it. Just absolutely decimating with a magic archer it was so fun what was your first one that you played with so when i first played the game way back in the day um i went through as a warrior so two-handed big sword just chopping everything in my path and that was a lot of fun to play with as well um the only problem is is when you start getting into that bitter black eye all that dlc stuff um yeah as you saw it is it is tough um, recommended level, I believe, is sixty minimum. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, that's why I laugh because, like, and it, it is end game stuff. Bitter Black Isle is so, and the thing is, is the DLC is meant to be played through twice. You have post Damien and pre Damien spoilers. That's who the last uh, boss is. Um, so you beat them once, and then you go through the whole DLC again, and then you beat him a second time, and he is not easy he is very tough you have to make sure you have a lot of management items with you health stamina all that stuff Hmm. i did beat him though on this magic archer playthrough yeah that's pretty interesting i chose uh strider the first one that i played with uh i i'm enjoying the gameplay with strider i can see like from the combat it has a little bit of a proto assassin's creed origins and assassin's creed odyssey fighting mechanic where you uh, kind of add a lot more fighting moves by you know clicking the right button or the left button. Yeah, that was a, one that has always been my favorite combat method because you can add so much more moves through it. So also, like, oh, it's kind of nice. There's already kind of version of it. Yeah. Also, so you have like the triggers which give you your moves and stuff, but then like yeah. you have uh your basic attack, right? So your basic attack um has differences depending on the timing of the button presses and the class of course so like your strider if you just spam like square for instance if that's your basic attack and you just spam it you do one set of moves but if you do square square pause square 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 like you get a different set of moves as well yeah yeah i think you can use your core augments to kind of add a little bit more Flare to attack. Yeah, exactly. I like the overall Strider's moves. I usually have two pawns. One, my main pawn is a sorcerer and another pawn is mage. And they usually provide me with either my thunder boon or like fire boon or freeze boon so that my weapon has kind of a magic element to it, even though I'm not a mage myself. And I keep one heavy warrior around whenever I'm in the rift. The interesting part is I didn't realize until quite deep into the gameplay that the my non-main pawn does not level up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that yeah. until like I was level 20 and my guy was just level six nook, like the first guy you meet on the Casardis. Yeah. I was like, dude, are you just f-ing lazy or something? What's <laughs> happening here? So I went back to the rift and then I, I didn't want to part from him because I was giving this pawn a couple of my 
uh, in armor and stuff, thinking like he was leveling up as well and just trying to do it. I didn't realize I was going to lose it permanently when I tried to switch it. So I was like, ah, this is, uh, I should have read that many ways. It says, do you want to permanently gift this pawn? Yeah. All your armor yeah. pieces. Yeah. Yeah. You have to really pay attention. There, it doesn't do a lot of hand holding that you see nowadays. You have to kind of just figure it out and stuff. Um, yeah, the pawns, other than your main pawn that you get, don't level with you. And it's always recommended to swap them out like every five levels or something like that. I usually go, I think, like every 10. Um, yeah, you can get you can get like a higher level pawn if you're willing to spend your RC points on as well, right? So you can get a higher level. If I try to right now get a hundred level pawn, I have to spend about 1 million RC yeah. points. Yeah, so the Rift Crystal points, you can always pay for pawns uh, that are higher level than you. Uh, same level or below are free. Right. Um, but so it it's best to just do same level and below though, because when you buy those higher level pawns, yeah. and especially when you go to Bear Black Isle, it is very easy to die and lose those pawns. So you just wasted those Rift Crystals. One thing I did like about the companions and the pawns is that they are much more helpful than a lot of modern RPG companions because they comment on your mission a little bit. Like, it's not like, you know, completely telling you what to do, but if I'm on a mission to kind of find a couple of damn flowers or like in a plant or something, it's like, oh, this kind of flowers, they grow near the tree. And then he also says like, oh, this kind of flowers might grow up, you know, during the night. So we might have to wait until night or something. I was like, oh, yeah, it's in the name Moon Glow. I guess that yeah. makes sense. I'll wait for the night. But like the companions are a lot more helpful. And sometimes the companions, if you're lost in an area, so like I was lost near the Witchwood the first time near the fog, my companion just found a way to get closer towards the Witch Hut. And then I was not even looking at it at the time. So I just followed my companion and he took me through a tree bridge so that I could get to the Witch's Wood much more easier because like I was kind of stuck kind of rotating around the same kind of area. Yeah, so that was like a really cool one too. Nightmare, dude. <laughs> I didn't realize my pawn could help me with that until they decided to help me out. Yeah, which is almost better than a lot of companions. Like in Starfield, you have companions, but all they do is they give you brands, not really as helpful as these pawns that were from like a decade ago. Yeah, the the companions you get nowadays are pretty much always just pack mules, and that's it. But yeah, the exactly. the pawns themselves, you can see where like Capcom, they really took care in making this game and th- it's a cut above the rest if you ask me uh like you said the pawns have deep knowledge that's the thing too is like when you get these pawns and you bring them on missions and stuff like that they learn what to do on those missions and they can bring it back to whoever made them and stuff or if someone else rents them out they know the knowledge then to help them or someone else with that quest so those are the good things about the games, right? I mean, we both enjoyed it, and I definitely want to keep on playing a little bit more. Uh, hopefully, I can finish this game pretty soon as well. So overall, a really good recommendation on your end, man. I really appreciate going back and playing this game. I'm and glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That was a good recommendation. And I'm glad the next one, you know, I don't play a game, and then suddenly it's like 12 years later when this game's going to come out. It's the fact that I just played it now. And the game's going to come out pretty soon. So yeah, a couple months. Yeah, it's like I'm looking yeah. forward to. I may not know the pain that you might have gone through waiting for a game sickle 10 to 12 years. 
it's kind of like that situation where people were watching Game of Thrones and I've been watching Game of Thrones since 2011 and my friend just starts watching Game of Thrones before the final season airs and I'm like, that's 10 years worth of television. You cannot just, you're not allowed to enjoy like that, man. You do fucking cheating. Suffer like that. Exactly. So I'm glad like that and when you also recommended other games as well, like, you know, Armored Core and stuff like that. So that was a really good recommendation on your end. I'm going to make a list of like, you know, what are the things you've recommended that I've worked out and what are the things that have not. So we'll do a tally one day. Yeah. Yeah. But I've played plenty of games. There are a couple of complaints from me on this game, right? No game is perfect again. Oh, yeah. You know, talk, talking back, like having to, if you're just trying to go through one gameplay story focused, it's quite a bit of a slog because yes, you have to pay very good attention to everything. It's not going to handhold you. And the traversing options are really hard to get used to. It's not as convenient as a lot of RPGs have learned to do in the past 12 years, like getting the fast travel points and fast travel sections. So you have to find these port crystals. You have to be able to decide where you want to put it, where, how you want to travel and how you want to gather the port crystal back again. It could really affect your gameplay when you're trying to just go through the story and you're just going to have to traverse through these uh, wildlands where you keep running into these damn wolves, which are just absolutely... They're everywhere. Growing. They're everywhere. Like everywhere. one house and it calls the other ones to I think. Yeah. Yep. Like it's just, it's just like... Uh, like it's... It's a slog, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just killed your whole family. How are you... Like how do you have so many more? Yeah, it's... You, there's definitely a lot of pre-planning that goes with this game. Um, yeah. Or at least it makes your gameplay easier for sure. When you go in blind, and that's honestly, that's uh, a big gripe of mine too, is, um, you know, someone going in blind, your quest, you can actually fail your quests and you can yes. completely miss quests too and not even know it. Um, yeah. There is a particular quest that I'm always nervous about doing. It's um, in Grand Sword when you finally get there. I think it's after the worm hunt quests that you were doing. Uh, there's a little girl that you escort and um, you have to do it perfectly to get the best reward. Their best reward is a gold idol, which then you can gift to a shopkeeper and they can expand their inventory. You could also make a forgery of it and get like a 10% discount on items and stuff like that. So it's a pretty important item. And the fact that you have to do this quest so well it always makes me nervous. I have not failed that quest once, though. But I have failed plenty of other quests. Well, Ian, I would not have failed that quest if you just didn't tell me it exists. <laughs> now I have to. Now I have to actually fail this quest because, oh god, like I did finish up that one mission where I had to raise, uh, like you know, craftsman's son from the dead, and I yep. think it's kind of following that mission and kind of area. So, yeah, I'll look forward to it. Look forward to it. You know, it's just, yeah. Uh, it's it, yeah. my biggest gripe is just like it's really easy to fail quests in this game and i mean i'm not a perfectionist by any means but of course like i want to do as much content as possible so being able to fail a quest so easily like that or even just completely missing a quest uh, this this game is a bitch sometimes man it really is but it is a lot of fun i i enjoy it i love it and i'm glad you liked it too yeah, it's kind of like that Kingdom Come Deliverance too. Yeah, you could just run out of time and then yes. not be able to do the quest. But in that one, it's obvious if the quest has started. So it's quite obvious if the quest is like already started and then you have to do it. You miss it by not doing the quest on time. 
Oh, you know the quest is on. You can still do a lot of mission. But yeah, this one's a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. No handholding. You have to kind of figure it out as you're yeah. playing through. Be able to explore or have the wiki pulled up while you play. <laughs> you laugh, but a lot of my recent gameplays has been like that. Like I was playing Baldur's Gate three. That's exactly what I did. Yeah, I mean, that I've done screen right now. Yeah. When you want to get all the content, sometimes it's necessary. And I mean, yep. you, no one should shame anyone for having a, a walkthrough pulled up if it's how they play the game and stuff. Because I mean, that's the thing about video games is you enjoy it how you enjoy it, right? Exactly. No shame. No shame. There are other yeah. things I do that are more shameful exactly. video game than <laughs> not this one. But yeah, and I guess another quick complaint, not even a big one, but it's weird that I run into, because there's no level scaling in this game, it's weird sometimes when I run into certain enemies that are way out of my league, right? So in some cases, that's okay. But in some cases, it's kind of takes away from the gameplay. And I know that I'm supposed to run away from these stronger enemies, uh, but you know, it's kind of hard to tell somebody to not fight a boss, right? That's a uh, weird thing to ask. So when I was doing the Shadow Fort area, I ran into that Drake you were mentioning a little bit while ago. And that Drake is way too high of a level for me right now to fight. I'm like yeah. level 22, 23 right now. Yeah, he will stomp you every time. Exactly. So like I did manage to hit the arrow to his heart, but it doesn't really act. I was able to climb him. I'm trying to strike him by climbing, but it doesn't work anything. It's not reducing any hit points at all. So I ran away, but I spent quite a bit of time thinking I could still defeat him and save the game and then just do it again. I didn't realize I have to run away in that kind of situation in order to continue the gameplay. So it seems like how they did this game is there's certain monsters that are designed for certain levels, right? So your Cyclopses, for instance, are good from level 1 to like level 20 or something like that, right? Then from like around level 20 or maybe 15, you start dabbling in the chimeras, right? Then you hit level 20 something, you start dealing with the ogres. So there kind of is a scaling as far as like what monsters you should be fighting yeah. at what level and stuff. But it doesn't tell you that at all. It's just something, again, you have to just figure out. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was the weird part because, like, right now when I'm playing the Shadow Fort section, yeah, the Cyclops are pretty easy to handle. But when I go and, like, you know, when I ran into the Drake right after I got out of the Shadow Fort and I'm getting attacked by a Drake, I was like, wait, is this a dragon? Is this the dragon that I'm supposed to fight at the end of the game or something? And I was like, for some reason, I was thinking, like, oh, it's the same dragon, right? Because it looks like a dragon, talks like a dragon, it fires like a dragon. I thought it was a dragon, but no, no, no it's just a, some lame-ass Drake that I need to kind of defeat, but I could not. And then I just ran away from it. And you never know when you run into it. Like, I didn't go to its lair. I just ran into that thing. Yeah, Devil Devil Fire Grove there. Um, Yeah, it has a wandering area and stuff like that. A lot of the the enemies are like that. Um, Just wait until you fight the uh, Gore Chimeras. (laughs) You know, it's weird. Like, when the Bitter Black Isle came up, I ran to the death. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's another that's fun like, one right there. Yeah. And I hate Like, death. I'm looking at those dots that they have, you know, the dots. Yeah, they have the health bars. <laughs> oh, like, I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, wait, I thought they only were supposed to have like two or three. This guy has seven or eight. Um, but the weird part is the death just disappeared afterwards on that area. And then 
so but like first encounter yeah your first encounter with death that's what happens is it just yep. it shows you that there's that he's there right um i think even your second encounter with him like you you can potentially beat and kill him uh it's not easy it's very difficult and i'll tell you what for a magic archer it is very difficult he is the one uh beast that i can't fight oh, yeah. really as a magic archer yeah, there was there was some. For example, if you're in Strider two Archer and like you know sneak kind of like double daggers, you're almost impossible to fight against somebody who's a warrior soldier, someone with a heavy weapon, with someone who has a shield. It's almost really hard to fight, even if they're around your level. Even if they're goblin, like they keep blocking your attack most of the time. Later on, I was able to level up to get a skill called uh, Skull Splitter or Helm Splitter, and that one used really kind of goes past through their armor and be able to hurt them. But I was stuck with one Cyclops and some couple of these uh, undead army. And one of the undead had this giant medieval big-ass armor with like a big sword and a shield. And I'm barely making a dent on this guy. But I had to kill the Cyclops because it was one of the side missions I had to do. Yeah. Like killing three Cyclops or something. So this guy's like bothering me while I'm trying to kill the Cyclops. <laughs> and he's just massacring me. And then I just like kind of played again and again. Later on, the Cyclops himself stomped this guy down a little bit to help me out. I think he was defeated by Cyclops stomping and finally, and then be able to finish that mission. But yeah, it doesn't really help you with, you know, the, I like the fact that there is no level scaling, but you could run into any kind of these big enemies at any moment and not even know that it's not really your time to shine against these enemies. Yeah, it really puts you in your place. And I, I enjoy that a lot. It's like wandering onto the big boy playground, you know, you're going to get your ass handed to you. You know, you either persevere, try to persevere and fight through it, or you just come back after you leveled up a bit and got some better skills. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, a good experience on my end. Uh, last one I'll say is the voiceover acting on that end. Uh, the main characters, they definitely are talented voiceover actors. The side NPCs, you can tell some developers just kind of sat through their late night recording these dialogues. It's like night and day difference between a good voiceover quality on that game with the main character versus like a side NPC. Yeah. I mean, it's not really a big deal, but yeah. Again, 12-year-old game or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of to be expected. Yeah. I kind of miss those days, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> those kind of really amateur voiceover acting, which is what we're doing in a way, in our own way right now, too. So Yeah. But yeah, I can't wait for the second one, honestly. Uh, from what I've seen, I've tried to kind of stay as spoiler-free as I can, but from what I've seen that they're doing with it, it looks really good. And I'm, it's up there on my list of, of games I want to get next year. Just a couple months away. It's not very far off. Um, I'm sure uh, the Game Awards uh, next month will probably see like an actual release date. Uh, the leaked one was from... Uh, the Peggy website, which of course they do the uh, overseas like EU uh, ESRB rating, um, they accidentally leaked it on their website. Um, what after they had displayed it, they pulled it, but not before everyone saw that that was the release date. Yeah, we'll see when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. I can't like to be honest. This will be something that I'm now looking forward to play. I didn't even know before. <laughs> last week or like in a week before when you recommended it about this game i mean i knew this game existed but never really had an interest to play an old game but i'm glad i'm glad i decided to uh take your recommendation so yeah thanks 
really flew under the radar. And I know a lot of people have been picking it up because of the second one. And from what I've seen, people have been enjoying it. So if you haven't got it, go out there. Dragon's Dogma, Dark Arisen. Uh, it's on sale. You can get it mad cheap right now, like on any system. Don't get it on the Switch, though. Do yourself a favor. Get it at least on a PS4 or like an Xbox One or something. To skip the Switch. Yeah, the Switch is for Nintendo. Keep it that yeah, way. Man. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's good. All right, moving on. Well, Ian, I think we had a pretty decent amount of content. We've had pretty decent amount of things to talk about for our first episode. And I really want to, again, thank you for, you know, joining me on this end and uh, doing this together. There's no other person, in my honest opinion, I talk about video games with than you. And you know from our last whole years of conversation that it is absolutely true. Oh, yeah, man. I've, uh, I have love doing it, man. It's, you know, video games is like I eat, sleep, and breathe that man. So I always enjoy talking about it and I love talking to you about it. You know, I always like hearing your insight and, you know, seeing your perspective on on how things are. Well, I'm just trying to use you for your recommendations now. So, you know, <laughs> so that's the extent of our friendship on that. And I'm just going to keep on extracting recommendations. So, with recommendations being talked about, Ian, what are some of the things that we should be looking forward to in the upcoming weeks? So we got the Game Awards next month, um, which we'll see, I think, a lot of trailers. We'll see a lot of good trailers. I know there's been talk of... There's been some leaks of possibly Death Stranding 2, seeing a trailer of that, uh, which we know that's Hideo Kojima's uh, newest uh, baby there. Um, and then we also will... Well, it's an older baby now, right? Yeah, older so, baby yeah. now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see probably that. We'll probably see uh, possibly some Metal Gear Solid Delta, I think it's called, which is, the, of course, the Snake Eater remaster. Uh, maybe even some Dragon Dog by 2... Um, I think there'll be a lot of good things there, a lot of good trailers yeah. coming up. So, yeah, and we'll discuss, you know, as we kind of that episode comes out, not episode, but uh, when that game award is airing, we'll talk about it when we get a chance to. It'll be pretty kind of nice to kind of look forward to it and, uh, you know, have that discussion as well. So, yeah, with that being said, I think we have our first episode pretty much wrapped up. Overall, I'm having a pretty good experience. We managed to do it pretty succinctly and pretty confidently hopefully when i'm editing it sounds pretty good and nothing has been lost to our couple of shenanigans that has happened today but yeah uh if you're listening to us and if you are listening well thank you very much yes we do appreciate it yeah we really do appreciate it i mean this is the first time we're doing it you know there's going to be some rough edges to it and hopefully we want to do it even if nobody's listening i just enjoy talking to my friend ian here and uh Talking about video games is just a fun thing to do. And if you'd like to reach us, of course, you can always email us at highpingbastards at gmail.com. Again, that's highpingbastards at gmail.com. Basically, the name of our podcast at gmail.com. So yeah, feel free to you know continue listening to us as we keep on trying to crank this pod and add more episodes to it. Uh, Definitely. And I know uh, at some point, um, I'll try and get back on Twitch and do some streaming myself. Um, and of course, you know, whenever that does happen, I'll let y'all know here um, what my Twitch handle is and everything like that. But um, yeah, other than that, Ari, it's been good talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed it as well. Sorry for interruption. Oh. I do. We need to. I wish you is those out, man. We need to is those out. That'll happen, man. All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>